Hello, and welcome to the Apostolic Church Liverpool podcast. We hope the message you're about to listen to will inspire you, will be a blessing to you, and give you perspective in life. For more of such messages, you can visit our website at www.tac-lona.org.uk. You can also access other messages and resources from our YouTube channel, The Apostolic Church Europe. We hope you're blessed and inspired by today's message. God bless you. Here's the message. Psalm 75, verse 6 to 7. That is where the word the Lord has given us for this month is from. It says, This I know. People that brings promotion and power. They don't come from anywhere else on earth. Only from for no one exalts a person but God, the true judge of all. He alone determines where favor rests. He anoints one for greatness and brings another down to his knees. I'll take it again. Psalm 75, verse 6 to 7. This is from the Passion Translation. This I know, the psalmist speaking, and the author of this psalm is Hassab. This I know, the favor that brings promotion and power does not come from anywhere on earth. For no one exalts a person but God the true judge of all. He alone determines where favor rests. He anoints one for greatness and brings another down to his knees. Over the next few minutes, very briefly, remember after now we'll be going um, to also participate in the Holy Communion. So I'll be as very brief as I can. So help me God. But over the next few minutes, I just want to share with us the anatomy of divine promotion titled it the anatomy of divine promotion don't worry we are not going into biology and we don't need cadavers for this kind of anatomy anatomy in a sense basically means seeing be, be beneath the surface seeing how things work you know um, medical students will dissect cadavers to see how the human bodies the organs and the systems and everything work together we want to also do that with this theme that the Lord has given us, to go beneath the surface of this whole concept of divine promotion and see what's going on underneath that using just one case study um, in the Bible. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that in a sense, uh, because I mean, last week we were in Psalm 73, today we are in Psalm 75. Both Psalms were written by the same person um, by the name of Asaph. Um, so in a sense, this kind of feels like a continuation of what we were talking about last week. Last week, we looked at how Asaph was ranting to God about the prosperity of the wicked. He was lamenting that how would the wicked be prosperous when those who are God lovers and faithful to God when all manner of things happen to them. And of course, he ended that psalm on a note of discovery or rediscovery of what God is up to in all of this. Psalm 75, on the other hand, is more or less a celebration of that God that was discovered in Psalm 73, the God that judges fairly, the God that ensures that the wicked will face or dance to the tune of their wickedness, whereas he decides, as the one that is fully in charge, he decides who gets what, is the one who who is the true judge of all, <coughs> excuse me, he alone determines where favor rests. He is the one that anoints one person for greatness and brings another down to his knees. We want to look at the case study of Esther 
um, to help us see beyond um, the periphery about this topic that or this theme that the Lord has given us for this month. Esther is not um, a new character to many of us. In fact, as a church, I would recall that we spent three years just going through the book of uh, Esther at the growth track uh, between, I think, 2019 and, and, and last year, or the year before last, 2018 and the year before last. And it was such an exciting ride for those that were part of that uh, experience with us. But we want to look at that same familiar story, that curious book in the Bible, which is one of two books where the name of God was never mentioned, but where we see the finger of God in every chapter, in every act, in every scene that is going on in that interesting book. And the very first thing that we see here is the fact that there was an opportunity. Before someone that was a nobody became this royal queen, before this girl that was more or less descendants of enslaved people as an immigrant in another land, before she could find herself becoming the number one lady in the old Pasha empire of those days. It's, it's not something that, I mean, on the surface, it looked like something that happened overnight. But on the other hand, there are very many things underneath that's happening. And you can see this same thread through any story of divine promotion you find in the Bible. We know of Joseph that was one night, he slept as a prisoner. The next night, he's sleeping as a prime minister. And everything just happened like that in the twinkle of an eye. But if you look beneath the same, if you x-ray the story, you find the same thread of thoughts that um, are common to them. The same thing with Daniel, served with God knows how many presidents, I think three different regimes. And in every single regime or government he worked with in Babylon, he was distinguished amongst others. Again, we find this same thread of thoughts finding expression in his story. But today we're going to be in Esther chapter 2, uh, the first four verses thereabouts. Verse 1 says, after these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Again, we know the story. Uh, the first chapter was about this drunken king that is... Um, literally a despot. He, he doesn't care about anything. He's unpredictable uh, as, a, as a ruler or as a, as a leader in that sense. And we saw that in that first chapter, because Vashti would not allow herself to be used as a sugar baby, he decided to say, hasta la vista, your time is up. And now there is a vacancy for the queen. And that's very drama. That's very... Um, obstinate status of Vashti that led to a demotion became an opportunity for Esther to step up. Because more often than not, when we are asking God for stuff, when God is giving us a word and saying, this month I want to do this, this month I want to do that, those things might not come usually in the packages that we are expecting. More often than not, they will come to us as opportunities. And that's also the same, even when it comes to the blessing of divine promotion that the Lord has promised us or assured us for this season. The opportunity can look like all manner of things. It can look like someone else's misbehavior, as in the case of Vashti. 
it can look like um, a lack or, or a need or, or a problem that needs to be solved, like the case of Joseph being called to come and interpret the king's dream. It can look like some insufficiency that is going on somewhere and you being gifted to spot an opportunity in the midst of that seeming insufficiency that becomes an answer to, to, to or an avenue to abundance that will counteract the insufficiency that is on ground. So those, those opportunities abound. They are literally all around us, but we need divine insights, not only to see them, but also to discern them. Because opportunities are more or less like um, open doors. It's not every open door that is opened by God. Sometimes the devil will open a little door as a distraction for you to quickly jump in and then miss out on the bigger door that is just ahead of you, if only you had been discerning in that sense. So our opportunities, they demand discernment because not every opportunity is from God. And I want us to pray right there as we are taking each point. There are some prayer points that the Lord has laid on my heart as I was preparing this. And I want us to pray them with understanding, pray them with passion, pray them like it means something to you. Job 34 and verse 32 from the voice translation says, teach me and fill in my blind spots. And if I've done wrong, I will stop and do what is right. In other words, Job is acknowledging here that we have blind spots. We have stuff that, that we just can't see, either because of where we are standing or because of the background that has given us a lens or the cultural um, lenses that we are seeing things through. And it just makes those things invisible to us. Yet, if we could find those things, if we could see them, it helps us to make the right choices that would lead on to the promotion that the Lord has promised. So you want to pray and say, Father, open my eyes to see what I need to see before jumping at any opportunity. Can you quickly take that prayer this morning? That the Lord will open your eyes. Father, open my eyes, open our eyes to see what you want us to see, to see beyond the, the physical details, to see beyond the, the short-sighted human eyes that we are carrying about, to see into the future, to see the implications of our decisions or indecision in today in the name of Jesus. Help us, oh God, to order our steps in the way you want us to go. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. 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 The second thing I want us to see as we continue this journey in anatomy of divine promotion is how that Esther distinguished herself. There was a distinguishing. And what do I mean by that? <coughs> Verse 2 says, Then the king's servant who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. Let beautiful young virgins, not just any kind of people, not just beautiful people, not just young people, but they are beautiful and they are young. But not only that, above all, they are all virgins. In other words, Esther was not selected amongst the contenders just because she was beautiful or just because she was young, but also because she was a virgin. Among all the ladies of her generation in the Persian Empire, especially in the citadel of Susa at the time, she distinguished herself unto chastity. She was part of the minority that fitted the, the, the tricycle of the qualifications that were expected to bring out the one 
that would stand out amongst them. There was a distinguishing of some sort. We see the same thing said about Daniel in chapter six and verse three. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thoughts to setting him over the whole realm. You see the same thing said of Joseph. Pharaoh himself testified and said, having interpreted my dream ever so accurately and brilliantly, is there anyone that has the spirit of God that is as spot on as this? I've searched in my own realm. There is no one that could even interpret the dream, let alone not only interpret it, but also give a solution as to what can be done in light of the revelation. And that was what distinguished him onto becoming the second in command in the whole Egyptian empire of those days. So you want to pray and say, Father, baptize me with the spirit of excellence. Baptize me with the spirit of excellence. The spirit of excellence, the spirit that distinguishes you. When others are sitting, you are standing. When everyone is standing, you stand out. When many are standing out, you are outstanding amongst them. The Lord continues to single you out for favor. He's the one who decides where the anointing for favor resides, where it rests. And may it rest on us. May we be baptized with the spirit of excellence in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for in Jesus' mighty name we prayed. Amen. Amen. The third point I want us to see from that passage as we are going to verse 3 is the disruption that came to Esther. Verse 3 says, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to Shushan the citadel into the women's quarters. That might not make so much of um, informational sense to us, but what is being referenced or what is being inferred from that small passage is the fact that any lady that qualifies to be brought into the women's quarters, or some versions will say the harem of the king, by implication, you cannot go back to the life you were living. Whether or not you were the one that the king eventually will select to be his queen, you can't go back and say, at least he didn't select me, I will go back and continue dating brother Tajuddin that I was dating before or whatever it is. No, it's, it's a case of it's either this or nothing. And everyone that is rejected just becomes more or less put on the same spot for the rest of their life as far as the marital dimension of their life story is concerned. So Esther's life as she knew it prior to this second chapter of the book of Esther became so disrupted that she could no longer return to it. Every lady that was carried along and carted down to the citadel, they knew that. They knew what they were stepping into, even though they did not have a choice. One minute they were at home with their families, the next minute they were weeks, they went to the palace and placed into the women's quarters. Talk about disruption. And I don't know what kind of disruption has been in your story, even right now, as, 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 I'm, as I'm sharing these thoughts with us. I don't know what has come in in a way that you thought you were going this way before, but now it looks like you've been redirected in a way that you just can't even get back to the way where you were before. That's part of the plan. It's, it's not a setback, it's a setup. It's not a setback, it's a setup. And it can look like different things. It could look like a divine encounter. 
whereby you you experience something of God and you just have a deep-seated knowing that no, the, the, the course of my life has shifted and is redirected for good for the rest of my journey. I had such a moment in 2012 when I was having all sorts of job interviews here and there and, and trying to figure out, okay, God, what's going on for the rest of my life? I just finished having the NYSE program that they do in Nigeria for, for young adults. And I, I'm, I'm trying to be very cautious before making that decision. And then an encounter from God came and I knew that, no, from this point onwards, forget whatever course you said you studied for four or five years in the university, you are going in this direction that I'm pointing your attention to, as unlucrative as it may be, as uninviting as it may be, that is where I want you to head. And that became a total redirection, but boy, has it been a blessed redirection for my life. Disruptions like that cannot but come for someone that is that God wants to elevate supernaturally, that God wants to promote supernaturally. It's part of the gist, it's part of the process, it's part of the journey. For Joseph, it was an unjust imprisonment. He did what was right, he told the truth, and yet the truth landed him in the prison. But we know that the prison, again, for him was not a setback, it was a setup. Because at the appointed time, he met the right people he needed to meet, he did the right things he needed to do, and he became enlisted. It was just like a, a time bomb of blessing waiting to explode. And at the right time, the explosion happened, and the rest is history. So if our life is not disrupted by God's providence like that, we may be tempted to misplace our gratitude when the promotion eventually comes. You would think it's that brother that did it is that man at work that just likes you is that woman that you didn't even know that decided to speak up for you or is that pastor that prayed for you no at the end of the day when you experience disruptions like this and the destruction ends in promotion you know that it can only be one person that is capable of taking such messes and making them into something good, and that's God. And so we're going to pray and say, Father, direct my steps. Direct my steps by your word. Whatever that would look like, as long as it lands me in the divine promotion that you have destined for me, that you've promised me for this season, direct my steps, order my steps in your word. Let no iniquity have dominion over me. I believe you are praying. Ask the Lord to direct your steps in the remaining months of this year, in the remaining weeks of this month, in the remaining hours of this day, that the Lord will direct our steps. He will direct our steps in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for in Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Verse 3, still on that third verse, <clears throat> it goes on to say that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to Shushan the citadel into the women's quarters under the custody of a guy the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, and let beauty preparations be given to them. But this time I want us to draw attention to under the custody of a guy, the king's eunuch. This was just another palace servant, someone that has even been made a eunuch. In other words, cannot marry or give birth or anything you could almost use maybe castration would look like the, the, the word that is closest to what the process looked like back then. Uh, so it's someone that by some people's standard you should look down on. They are almost not like proper human beings again because something of them has been taken away so that they could serve one king that is 
almost purposeless and, and unpredictable. But we jump down to verse 15 and see that it says, when the turn came for Esther to go for her own one night with the king, she requested nothing but what a guy, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women had advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. What did she do that brought the favor? It was simply seeking the advice of the person that others might have overlooked. Seeking the advice of that one person that doesn't look like could be of help to her. <coughs> because there is a discernment that came upon her to know that this is a gateway to where I intend to go. This is the gateway to the future. This is the gateway, at least to the immediate next level in our story, in our journey. This is someone that has worked with this unpredictable king. If anybody should know what will please the king, I think this guy should have an idea. There was that discernment. And we are surrounded by many hey guys today that we could easily miss out on. Some of them are in cell blocks and rectangle boxes on your screen next to you. Some of them are working together in your place of work. Some of them are your neighbors. Some of them are strangers that you are yet to meet that you need to trust God to bring, to connect you together with. But the point is not only should they connect, you need to discern that this is a relationship or this is a location or this is an atmosphere or this is an event or this is a project that I need to sow into because you believe that by doing that, you are connecting to a grace that can only come via such an avenue. Pastor has repeatedly taught us that the, 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 the interesting thing about God having a diversity of callings and diversity of ministers and diversity of ministry gifts that we invite, for instance, to push and to different events is because they are all carrying different graces. And the grace upon their life, if you are discerning of it, if you take a prophet as a prophet, Jesus said, you will receive a prophet's reward. You will receive a prophet's reward. So if Esther did not discern a guy as a destiny helper, she wouldn't value his counsel and she would have missed out on God's plan for her life. So we must be able to discern people. We must be able to discern places, locations. We must be able to discern atmospheres. You, are, you will be in certain services at some time and God will begin to minister to your spirit. Don't take it for granted. There, there are times that some word of knowledge will come forth. Don't, 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 don't belittle it. If you are able to be discerning part time, you will enjoy many dividends that others are working over, thinking there is no value when in fact they are working over a, 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 a treasure island of some sort. And so the prayer point we want to pray here is to borrow a leaf from Jacob who woke up in Bethel, Genesis 28 and verse 16. And Bible says, he said, when he awoke from his sleep, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. In other words, he, he, he lamented that, how oh, I wish I had known all along that where I'm taking for granted and just putting a stone down as a pillow and sleeping discomfortably, that God is even right there in the midst of that discomfort, that he would have leveraged on that much more. Of course, you will discover that few chapters down the line, Genesis 32, when he was going to have yet another opportunity to have an encounter with God, he did not take it lightly this time around. It was like, this angel, you will not, I will not let you go until you bless me. I've learned my lesson. 
that I should not miss out on, on divine appointment and divine encounters without a blessing. And indeed, he got what he wanted. Can you pray and lift up your voice and say, Father, may I never miss where you are at work. May I never miss to discern where you are at work, where you want me to sow, the fruitful field you want me to sow into, the thing you want me to partner with, the, the, the person you want me to give a gift to, the, the person you want me to send a word of encouragement to. May I never miss out on where you are at work and what you would have me do, how you would have me respond in discerning the graces in the environment in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. The fifth point is preparation. A preparation. It says in that verse 3, the last part of it, and let beauty preparations be given to them. We know that God is a God that works based on the principle of process and preparations. God is not a magician. It takes you through the steps. He journeys with you. Sometimes it's not so much about the destination that is taking you to. It costs him nothing. He's not going to, he's not going to dent his account in a manner of speaking to give you what you are asking for in an instant. But sometimes it takes us on that journey because he wants us to experience him in the journey, in the process, in the adventure, in, in preparing us, bringing us to a place of competence, bringing us to a place of character, developing ourselves as we go on in the journey. God's grace and favor, they are able to find greater expression in our lives when we submit ourselves to such personal development and refining processes that prepare us. Sometimes it will happen through the circumstances in life around us. It could happen through the things that you're going through. It could happen through the things that you're seeing um, that is like a common trend around you. But God is in the, in the moment, is in the process preparing you and you should leverage it, leverage it. James chapter one, verse two to four. It says from the Passion Translation, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity. See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it tears up power within you to endure all things. That's part of the process. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it releases perfection into every part of your being. It's part of the process. Until there is nothing that is missing and nothing that is lacking. Nothing that is missing nothing that is lacking. Someone says, hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. It prepares ordinary people, difficulties and hardship. They prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Second to the last one is a pleasure, a pleasure. It says in verse four, then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This thing pleased the king and he did so. In other words, at the end of the day, it's all about pleasing our king. It's all about pleasing the one who makes all the difference. It's all about pleasing the one who exalts one and brings down the other, the one who is capable of doing that. It's all about living our lives to hear him say at the end of the day, well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And of course, the thing that is then going to bath all of this 
is a surrender. Is a surrender. Again, verse four, let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. And this thing pleased the king and it did so. The, the, the thread that is silent that you may easily miss in all of this, especially for the context of Esther, knowing that she's finding herself in a, in, a, in, a, in a journey for which she's not the one in control. Anything can happen. There are myriads of possibilities. There is already a disruption that has shown her your, your past is gone. And the future can either be extremely glorious or very, very disheartening, if indeed she's not the one that the king would choose. And yet, in the midst of that, I perceive that she, she has leaned in so much to the God of Israel to say, yes, this is my life. Do with me whatever you will. Because half of what Esther did, half of what Mordecai did, a typical Jewish person will not do it. Not only are they finding themselves in a, in a foreign land, when in fact, as of that time, historically speaking, it's already been granted for any Jewish person that wants to go back to Jerusalem to go back. Many people had already returned, but they still stayed in that sinful Gentile context. And not only are they staying in the Gentile context, Mordecai was working as a gate man in the palace. He was working, you could say, in the political sphere, as dirty as the politics of that day would be. He was finding themselves in the midst of that. So there are many layers of questionable things about Mordecai, about Esther. Even the name Mordecai is named after one of the gods that the, the, the Persian people would worship. And, and Esther, we know she has a Hebrew name, but yet she also has another name that is not Hebrew that also shares, in a manner of speaking, with, with the identity of the people of the land. And so they, there are so many layers to their story, but I see within them, and of course the eventual intervention of God, especially by the time you get to chapter six, to see that these ones had so much trusted in the God of Israel They've leaned into the point where she could say in chapter four, if I perish, I perish. I know that there, there is a redeemer that is capable of saving us. And that's, that's total surrender. That's absolute surrender. The journey that she went on was not one that she would naturally desire to go on. But that surrender was possible again because she was satisfied in the God of Israel. She was satisfied in the God of Israel. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And that's, that's where I want, I want to wrap it up with us this morning. By way of recap, what's the opportunity around you? And let this shape your prayers in the coming days, in the coming weeks, that God will open your eyes to see those opportunities. In what way is God helping you to distinguish yourself? amongst your equals? In what ways are you experiencing disruption? It's not a setback, it's a setup. What's the discernment that you need? Can you ask God to grant you that gift? You need that more than anything before you start relating with the people around you, just like every other person is relating with them. We are all carrying different graces, you yourself inclusive. But until you are discerning of those graces, you won't be able to respond appropriately to the grace upon the lives of those that you do life together. What's the preparation that God is taking you through? What's the pleasure that you want to give to your maker? And how are you willing to say yes and surrender? 
you need someone. That's clear. The proverb that is on the screen <laughs> tells us a super clever person, no matter how clever he is, cannot enthrone himself. Even if he's the next in line, there is still the need for king makers to enthrone him. No matter how sharp a knife would be, that knife cannot sharp the hand grip that will hold it. It's another knife that will be used to, to carve that out. And so there are things that you can't do for yourself, no matter how spirit-filled and powerful you may be. You need people to accomplish that. But how will you not miss out on those people? What's the anatomy that God wants to work with? What's, what are the components that is working with under the surface to bring about the divine promotion? Those are the things, some of which we have considered this morning. And I pray that the Lord himself will prosper our ways and open our eyes, will invite us to lean into him, to hear his whispers and appreciate what he is up to in the now so that we can align ourselves, fall in line with what he has on agenda for us. And may the Lord bless his word in our hearts in Jesus' name. 